welcome to Gaining to Give, the podcast where money meets meaning. I'm Josh Roche, wealth advisor, founder of the Roche Group, and your host. Every week, we'll dive into practical tips, stories, and strategies that I hope help add purpose to your finances. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to episode seven of the Gaining to Give podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't listened to last week's episode one of Retirement Investing, I suggest you start there. And if you have, welcome back. We're jumping into Retirement Investing Part Two. So thanks for joining us again. I'm Josh Roche, and with me is Paige Adams. Hi. And we're going to get started. So Paige, tell me what makes it difficult when it comes to contributing some of your money into a 401k? You know, it's funny. We were talking about this in between these episodes. We were just kind of discussing what to go over, and I was like, man, it's really hard, I think, to contribute to a 401k when you're in your 20s just because it doesn't feel really relevant to your life right now. Like I, you don't have any plans of retiring anytime soon yeah. or stopping work. You have a lot of life ahead of you. And so, okay, like I would rather take the money that I would throw into a retirement fund each month and put it towards a house or put it towards a vacation or put it towards um, money to go out with my friends or money to kind of do all these different activities and things because they're a lot more tangible. Yeah. I think one of the hard parts of throwing money 401k, especially in your 20s and especially in the culture that we're kind of in now, is people like things that are really tangible and immediate. Yes. And if there's one thing retirement investing is not, it is tangible or immediate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. I think that's probably, probably a hard thing. But we were kind of talking about just like the benefits of like starting early and how you really should do it. But in the first episode, we kind of talked about what 401k is. And so in this one, one of the questions that I want to ask is how do you select an account type to invest in? Because we were talking earlier and there's a couple of different ones. And so would you mind breaking those down and just kind of telling us a little bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. You know, two main types of accounts that you could contribute into from a 401k or 403b would be different tax types called either a Roth 401k or a traditional or pre-tax 401k. Sometimes you might see them referred to as traditional. Sometimes they might be called pre-tax, one and the same. And so, you know, there's a couple key differences here and you have to make a decision about whether you're going to contribute your money into a Roth or a traditional. And a couple things to realize, you know, of course, an employer that offers a match, all of that money is going to go into a pre-tax account. Roth means after-tax, traditional is pre-tax. Since your employer is offering this as a benefit, they're getting a tax deduction or a tax reduction for the money they're giving to you. And so somebody's got to pay the tax on that bill. You are going to pay it down the road. What they give you in your 401k matching account is pre-tax dollars. So that won't end up going into a Roth, but your contributions, the amount that you put in, you get to decide whether you're going to contribute to a Roth or a pre-tax. And this is kind of a really, really common question it's something that you hear a lot in this industry of, are you doing a Roth? Are you doing a traditional? And I think a lot of people don't understand the differences. So it's good to, I'm just going to kind of break it down into three important aspects when you're considering Roth versus traditional. We have to think about the differences for when you're putting money in, differences for when that money is already in the account and growing, and then differences when you're going to withdraw that money. Fair enough? Yes. Perfect. I love it. 
when we're putting money into a 401k, if we're putting money into a traditional 401k, you're typically going to receive a tax break. That money that you put into your traditional 401k is going to reduce your income tax in most circumstances. So when you're placing those dollars into your 401k, you receive an immediate tax benefit. It's going to lower your tax amount owed at the end of the year. Whereas in a Roth 401k, when you contribute into that account, there's typically no benefit from a tax perspective. If you're below a certain income, you might get a retirement savers credit, but the vast majority of people are not going to see any sort of tax benefit when they contribute to a Roth. And so that's when it's going in. So right away you think, well, why would I use Roth? I get a tax benefit for the traditional, nothing for the Roth. Why would somebody do that? And then now we move into the growth side. So the money's in the account. The money's in a pre-tax account. The money's in a Roth. And you know, there's not a whole lot of differences when it's growing. You can invest the same way. You can buy all sorts of different stocks and bonds and index funds and mutual funds inside both accounts. There's not really a whole lot of limitations once they're in that account. And both are going to grow in a tax-advantaged format. And that just simply means that like as it grows, you're not paying taxes on the earnings. If I put $10,000 in a 401k and it makes it to $100,000 and it's still sitting in that 401k, I'm not going to be taxed on that growth until I decide to pull it out. Right. That makes sense. So now we've reached retirement. We're ready to start withdrawing the money that we've worked so hard to accumulate, invest, and save. We've got a nice nest egg. And here's where a real, real significant difference applies. When we move to distributing these assets out of a traditional 401k, because we receive that tax break in the beginning, it's going to be treated like taxable income when we withdraw it. So it's what we call a tax deferred growth account because we're essentially deferring those taxes until later in life. Gotcha. And so when I pull money out of a traditional 401k, I can expect that it's going to increase my taxable income. And thus, I'm going to owe taxes potentially on that income. Whereas in a Roth 401k, because I received no tax benefit up front, that money is distributed tax-free. And so the, the neat thing is now the advantage flips. You'd say, why would I want to pay taxes and get the traditional 401k? Why not do everything in a Roth? And I think there's reasons for why you might consider both. It's also a really good point to bring up that you don't have to do all one or the other. You could put part of your contributions into a Roth and part of it into a traditional. Of course, there's a few general rules of thumb. Like the higher the tax bracket I'm in today, the more valuable contributions into a pre-tax 401k may apply today because I'm getting a larger tax break on that marginal bracket. Whereas the lower income I'm, I'm at today, maybe it makes more sense to pay the taxes today and go into the Roth for tax-free growth. But also, the more time that I have, the more impact tax-free growth has. And so if I'm 25 and I'm not expecting to use this money for 40 years, the impact of the growth on those assets to then be drawn out tax-free could be much more significant than just tax-deferred and paying those taxes later on a traditional. Paige, does that all make sense? I love it. Yes. I love it. Finally clicking. I was talking to Josh before this. We were going over it, and I was someone who just would throw my money into a 401k whenever my employer would match it, and i say, okay, great, and then I would never look at it again, which, as we talked about, is not what you should do with your 401k. <laughs> you got a good start. You had a start, record. though. That's the important we were, thing. We were throwing stuff in there. 
So kind of going off of that, what are maybe some best practices to have once you are like, you've decided which account you wanted, you decided that you're going to invest, you're going to put money in there, you're going to match your employer, do all the things. What are some best practices in kind of maintaining this account and making sure you're doing what you need to with it? Yeah, great question. I kind of consider it maybe some tips and tricks of things to maybe up your game when you're contributing to a 401k. A couple of things that I really like that makes retirement investing easy. I really like most 401ks have an annual increase program. This annual increase may create a step up every year. Where let's say I'm with my current budget, I can only afford a 5% contribution to my 401k, but know that I eventually want to get up to a 15%. Well, an annual increase in your contribution might mean that it's going to step up 1% per year. And you think about it, you're probably getting a cost of living raise or a wage increase most years. And so you hardly notice if part of that raise maybe goes to your retirement. It's just a lowered raise that you might receive. So I really love the idea that you set this annual increase program and you decide how much it's going to increase by and what's going to be the maximum that it goes up to. But without even really having to think about it, it's going to automatically increase what's going into that year after year. Now, if you can reduce your budget or you can find more margin where you can increase that earlier, great. But the nice thing is if you forget about it, if you don't think about it, Five years down the road go by, and all of a sudden you started at 5%, but now you're putting in 10, and it's going to you know, accumulate to an incredible amount without, again, you even really thinking about it. Yeah, almost kind of putting it on autopilot. Bingo. Yep, and I think the less we have to force our brains to make this choice of sacrificing some of our money today, just like you talked about in the beginning of like it's hard to part ways with something that's not tangible, that we're not going to see the fruits of that for a long, long time. And so making that more automatic helps us not have to have that emotional brain battle of, should I really do this? <laughs> do I need to keep it so I can have that Starbucks each week? Whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, second thing to keep in mind is catch-up contributions. Maybe we haven't been able to start early on in our life, and our career, and so we're playing a little bit of catch-up in retirement. Once you hit the age of 50, the year that you turn 50, you are eligible for catch-up contributions. And so the amount, the yearly limit that you can put into 401ks and your retirement vehicles increases by about 20%. Oh, wow. So let's say that you're in the more the later stage and you are trying, maybe you have a significant income now and you're trying to really play catch up to your retirement savings. It's important to know that you can utilize this catch up for only those that are 50 and above. So if you're in that situation, do make sure that you're taking advantage of that. The last thing that I consider is kind of a best practice is that you don't just set it and forget it. And this is a common sort of rule when we talked about it just a minute ago, that you do want to sort of automate some of these things. And it's best when you're not checking your 401k balance day after day after day. It is probably something that you want to put maybe a little bit less regular. But the last thing that you want to do or that you don't want to do is just set it and forget it. Because all of a sudden, you know, what happens if your investments are no longer being allocated to an appropriate investment? Or what happens when you need to make a change from traditional to Roth? You need to be in tune with this, checking it somewhat regularly, even a couple times a year, once a quarter is really appropriate and probably a good cadence to get into, to be aware of how you're investing, even though it is set for a long, long time from now. That makes sense. So what do you think? I mean, I know that We've talked a little bit about the benefits of starting early, but for you, 
kind of talk to me about why you think that's important. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's so important to start early that I really didn't know a lot about until honestly pretty recently of just how big the impact can be of starting early and starting just kind of putting this money aside really early on. I think some people my age get it kind of gets tossed around a lot. People don't really talk about it like, oh, like, no, you really need to do this. Yeah. I wish I learned about this in school instead of parallelograms, but (laughs) here we are instead. It's fine. And so I remember we were talking earlier and we were just kind of breaking it down, like just how much impact even waiting a couple years can have just on your retirement and on how that money money compounds and grows. Would you mind kind of sharing with them what you told me a little bit, just numbers wise? It was fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So we were talking about, let's assume you, make $55,000 annually. Let's assume that you're contributing 5%. You're getting a 5% match. So every year you're putting in essentially 10% of your pay to this 401k. We used Paige's age, for example, and said we had 34 years and then we're going to go move into retirement. And I think the numbers at just an 8% growth rate and no salary increase was nearly a million dollars. Does that sound about right? I think so, yeah. So uh, assuming that Paige would never get a raise uh, and you just always, you know, you know, that's kind of like a very conservative assumption, a million bucks in this 401k. But what was really fascinating is if you just thought about delaying five years, mm-hmm. I think that shaved off about three, $350,000 yeah. just for five years later. I mean, that's a total of $25,000 difference in contributions or 28,000, somewhere around there. And yet it amounted to three to $350,000 difference at just an 8% return. Just in, incredible. When you really think about those numbers, I get it. It's not instant. It's not now. It's right. something that takes time to produce. But wow. I know. Just such a good habit to get into as well. Like I was talking to one of my friends and she was telling me like, yeah, since I was 18, I just throw a hundred bucks a month just into my Roth IRA. I've just been tossing in there ever since. And she was like, it's such a habit that I don't really even think about it anymore. But like if she's starting at 18, like that money's just going to grow and grow and grow. And it's an ingrained part of how she handles her finances and her money. And so she just doesn't think about it. I was recently talking with one of my good buddies. He's a real estate agent and a good friend and mentor of mine. And we were talking about one of my favorite books that he had just picked up called The Psychology of Money. And it talks about the concept of enough. And I thought this is really, really neat. In the book, there's a quote, and it says, more than your salary, more than the size of your house, more than the prestige of your job. Control over doing what you want, when you want to, with the people you want to, is the broadest lifestyle variable that makes people happy. Mm. And when you you think about that, you need money to live. You need money to create that time. And so sacrificing early on, what does that allow you? It allows you control over your time. So I thought that was really neat because it's the idea that, you know, essentially this money that you're saving, the discipline you're exercising by putting it away and and saying no to some things today is creating the ability for you to use your time how you want to use it down the road. Could be 50, could be 60, could be 70, could be never. And it goes on to your kids, but it's creating the flexibility for you to make the decisions and say, eh, I don't have to go into work today. I don't have to provide an income because I've saved them, accumulated, and now it's there for my use. Mm, that's such a good point. Just kind of reframing your perspective on it rather than it's limiting something that provides you with a lot of freedom later in life. Okay, so one of the other things that we were talking about that I was really interested in is what happens 
when I leave my job. Like say you leave a job, you've been contributing to a 401k. What happens? And this is something that we were kind of working through when I switched over. Yeah. Like, I came to your office. I was like, Josh, I don't know where my money is or how to get it. <laughs> so what happens then? Can you guys explain that? It's so common. And sometimes when we start working with somebody, they're like, here is my eight 401ks for my previous jobs. Like, what do I do with these? Uh, you know, we think that it's beneficial here to stay organized. It's the best way to keep track and, and be diligent with your money is when you really know what's going on. And it's really hard to know what's going on when you have to log into 12 different places, right? Yeah. So when you leave an employer, your 401k, it's a little bit different about how much you have in that 401k. If you have less than 5000 that you've accumulated in that balance, then the employer actually has the option that they can force you out of that 401k automatically. But if it's over $5,000, they cannot force you out. And so you could probably have this 401k for years, years on. And not necessarily a, a whole lot will change. Some of your cost may change because the employer was maybe subsidizing a portion of it while you're still an active employee. But it's not necessarily going to mean that when you leave, it has to change. You could leave it there in your 401k for a long time. However, you do have options. You can consider moving that into a new 401k. So you leave, you've left the old employer, now you start a new 401k with a new employer. Many of those accept rollovers to combine it with your existing 401k. You might choose to move that into an IRA or individual retirement account where it's managed by you or managed by an advisor like the Roche Group, or you could look to withdraw it. Certainly don't recommend that. There's going to be taxes, penalties, but it's an option that you have. Uh, personally, we recommend that the best strategy is an organized strategy. And so to me, that means consolidating, whether that's moving into your new 401k or an IRA, you don't have eight individual 401k plans out there because that is really difficult to keep up with. You know, I think a good strategy, you keep it simple. Keep it simple. Absolutely. Okay. So I was kind of closing on this part one and part two of retirement investing. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else that you want to go over? Not entirely. I just hope we've been of help to explain 401ks. Again, it's important to remember that that is a great tool for retirement investing. It's one that we're going to start with because it's so common. It's talked about a lot. It exists in nearly every workplace. However, that is just one part of a good retirement strategy. There's so many other good tools, so many other things to consider. So if you do need help, please, I hope that you feel confident and and, uh, able to reach out to us with anything that we can do for you. Call Paige. She'll set you up an appointment, a discovery call where we can talk about what you're looking for. And as always, please continue to tune in. There will be tons of great information about retirement investing in our future discussions. So thanks so much for tuning in. I'm glad that you joined us today and hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate you showing up and listening to this episode and supporting us in this journey. I'd also like to thank Mike Pfeiffer for his expertise in editing this podcast and getting it live. And lastly, don't forget, the more you give, the more you gain. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Gaining to Give podcast. As a reminder, there are some important disclosures in the description of this podcast for you to check out. Thanks for being here.